0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com/slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right,
1: Joe Dolan. You're back by popular demand on the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Circa Las Vegas. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because I, sh- I shared with you a phone call that when you were hosting your radio show about a decade ago with uh, Matt Camp, and you were and I called in with a Dynasty question. This was my first Dynasty League about a decade ago, and I was asking you questions about Andrew Luck and Jimmy Graham. But now, you know, we're eight years later, nine years later, I'm in 41 damn Dynasty Leagues, and wow, everyone knows what they're doing. Like The, the field is smart, so I want to talk to you about what you think are some of the best ways to construct dynasty rosters or am I overthinking it? I mean, how do you do it? First of all, how many leagues are you in right now? And did you do any startups this season yet?
2: I haven't done a startup this season yet. Um, I'm I'm thinking uh you know Brian Drake. Uh Drake, of uh, he and I co-host the two point stance podcast. Uh and I think we're probably gonna do one at FFPC. We picked up an orphan team, we did that for the podcast. Um, actually went through on the pod and just like Literally, it was like us going down a shopping list. Like, all right, there's this, there's this, there's this. That one's more expensive, but it's interesting, you know? And we picked up an orphan. I haven't done a, a startup this year yet. My dynasty leagues is at five so smart f- 41 is that. It's sick
1: it's sick it it's, is it's, sickening yeah yeah it well it's also uh, I have you know a, a drafting problem so now I'm only in like I have to do best ball dynasty I'm like in that zone now mm-hmm. or else it's just oh. I'm, put, I'm putting my life in hell but that's also a different game because you're not you know you're drafting for floor you never have to guess if Donovan Peoples Jones should be your wide receiver four. those guys go off on your bench but For our purposes, we'll we'll, uh, fluctuate back and forth between Superflex and 1QB, but we're talking about set lineup leagues, all that kind of stuff. So what is the ways that you like to approach Dynasty Startup? You always hear win now, productive struggle. We're going to talk about QB hoarding and Superflex. So what's the way you've been doing it that you've had the most success in startups?
2: Well, so the one that i actually won last year um was our fantasy points kind of our staff dynasty league um and i won it only because i split it with scott barrett because of the buffalo um the, the buffalo cincinnati tragedy um but that one was a a draft where i don't necessarily say i went in win now but i built a competitive roster right from the beginning this is the i believe the fourth year of the league Um, And I've I've managed to do some good um, wheeling and dealing You know, traded a first round pick for it's a one quarterback one. I traded Mm -hmm. a first two first round picks for Lamar Jackson, you know, when Ryan Tannehill was my starting quarterback. And Mm -hmm. and and just understanding that I had put myself in a position to contend. One of the things I always say about Dynasty. And this might be different. You're in 41 leagues, so I don't know what the payout (laughs) structure is in all of those. It's usually top three or four. Like, you know, right. Yeah. Somebody's got to win the league, right? The first year, and look, I'm if there's going to be this is this is always the way I've approached it. Scott Barrett approaches dynasty completely differently. Every dynasty draft I've done with Scott, his roster is going to be atrocious in the first year. I'm in league with him
1: right now, by the way. I we just did a two hundred fifty dollars startup, and you're right. He's he's looking like the productive struggling type of
2: roster. Oh yeah, no there's no no doubt about it. I mean, he is going to openly tank and it's worked for him by the way because his teams are usually good by year 2. Um yeah. but my whole thing is like, all right. Maybe maybe I'm an impatient person. Maybe I'm an instant gratification <laughs> kind of person. But the payout in year 1 isn't any different than the payout in year 5. Right. right. And so if I'm going to win, let's just say it's a $100 league and first place gets 800 bucks, all right, what if I win the, the league in year one? And it's easier to win a dynasty league in year one. Why? Because there's going to be multiple teams in the league who aren't even trying to win. So your competition is lessened in dynasty in year one. That's how I've always approached the thing. You are 100% right here. That And by the way,
1: this doesn't go for year one. This is every year. You're only competing with about seven teams in your league because the minute a team goes to 0 and 2, 1 and 3, oh, up, uh, everything's for sale. I mean, yeah. there's I, the perpetual rebuilding thing is real. Like the minute Amon Ross St. Brown hits
2: his rookie year up. Oh, I need a first round pick for him. Got to get rid of him. Yeah. It's so um, right You're Now you're, you're 100% right. You're only going to be competing with X amount of teams every year, but in year one, it's much easier to identify that, right? You're like, you're Okay. Oh, Scott is uh Scott's trading away all of his picks for 2026 20, picks, okay? All right. Well, then I know that there's going to be better players available for me. That being said, I'm never someone who goes all in in year one. Now what that's do you mean little, by all in? Like what does that mean? Me? Like like all 30-year-old players, something like or, that. Or I actually think, you know, like 30-year-old productive players are are decent buys in Dynasty because right. even if your team struggles, you can usually flip those guys for a pick to a contender at the end of the year. Um, what I mean by all-in is I'm not going to be someone who's trading all of my future first in the startup draft. Right, right. So maybe, maybe I'm being foolish, Alan. Maybe I'm maybe I'm someone who, hey, Dolan, you're sitting here saying somebody's got to win the league in year one and you're saying it's easier to win in year one and you're not going to trade away your future first. I'm not going to do that during the startup draft. But like I said, I traded a couple of firsts for Lamar Jackson in a one quarterback league because I thought I had built a contending roster that seriously lacked at that one position. I don't regret that trade. I won the league this year. Right. It was wasn't fun during the rookie draft. Although I, I I will say this was a great year to not have a first round pick in a rookie draft. Right. Um, like because all well, the guys going in the back half of the first and the early half of the second is the same guy anyway.
1: Right. In a single quarterback league, I mean, after the first three, maybe four picks, when you really think about it, it's like yeah, okay, Jordan Addison, fun, great prospect, you like him, but what's he going to be, wide receiver? 37 yeah. this year and maybe wide receiver 16 at his peak you know i mean that's uh, you, you might have a different opinion of him but whoever that is in that
2: after those first three four picks that was um, zay flowers for me i'm pretty they, sure i got zay flowers in every rookie draft this year yeah yeah those are well, that means you did well because that means you were picking at like 10 11 12 it, it, 10 is exactly where i was picking so yeah. um that one was an ffpc best ball and that by the way i want i want to. Um, I want to shout you out there because if I do or if Drake and I do a dynasty startup this year, that it it will be best ball. Yeah. I'm not setting my damn lineup. Like, forget yeah. about that. Um, uh, it's
1: it's hell setting the line between all the redrafts and, you know, I mean, just it, it's and all the content that you're producing. It really is. And then not only yet the Thursday game, I love Thursday football, but you have to move all those players from, you know, if Derrick Henry, Henry is playing on Thursday, you have to move them box. up into the running back slot. It's, it, it's worse than managing a financial portfolio
2: no it, oh I'm, I'm not exactly the guy who's going to who's going to uh, who's going to tell you how to do that please neither uh, um no but And and this is not uh, this is too like this is too sickos here complaining about it. I think a lot of people who are listening to this and might just be getting into their first dynasty league. Right. Yeah. but They have to
1: know where it's going. It's like if you go to an AA meeting when you're like just, you know, when a couple things happen, you want to hear those stories of people that have been like, you know, really crazy things have happened to them. So you're like, wait a second. I don't want to be them. So don't be us. Don't be us. Yeah, forty. I mean, I'm you. You do need a meeting, man, because forty one's a lot. Uh, oh, dude, I need an intervention. I, I just, you know, and it's fine. I just can't turn it down, man. You know, but um, let's get into a few of the strategies that I think that are viable. Sure. Um, we we'll, we just talked a little bit about win now, and I think there's a way to do that. And the productive struggle, the reason I'm with you, I'm impatient because. I don't call productive struggle productive struggle, and we've talked about it on this podcast. I call it there's the win now and there's a win never theory because you have to thread that needle. Now, you said you referenced Scott Barrett, a fantasy analyst that does some work for you guys, a lot of great work for you guys over there, fantasy points, that there is a fine needle to thread, which he successfully has done it. But when you talk about productive struggle, just give a top-line view of what it is, and then one of the most common mistakes people make when doing that because – it just doesn't work some people are like i tried this and it doesn't work
2: i just think like scott has a like has a talent for convincing people to make moves <laughs> he's but, a swindler I, a swindler but, no <laughs> I, I i don't mean swindle i don't i don't mean that in a negative way it's like he ha- he executes more successful trades than any i i've never been someone who's been able to like throw out a tr- i'm m- I, I might be the wrong guy to, again to talk about this particular strategy because I don't do it. Right. I I'm the guy. I don't Who, do gets, it a, who gets approached about a potential deal, and then we're able to discuss something. I uh, I am only, whenever I throw out a trade offer, and this is probably when you're doing dynasty. This is probably common, but whenever I throw out a trade offer, I always anticipate it getting rejected. I'm like, I think it's fair. I'm always going to try to win the trade, but like, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to try to flee somebody. Right. Like, well, the, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to offer two second round picks for Devonte Smith. Okay. But like, that's not going to work. Right. That's but,
1: auto decline. That's auto yeah. decline.
2: Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm never someone who's able to get a trade like accepted, but I'm a willing dealer. And I feel like Scott and, and maybe you, you're in leagues with people like this who have just an innate ability of understanding who's going to be tradish, you know. Um, right. uh I grew up watching the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, Richie Ashburn, um, who is the color commentator with with, with um with Harry Callis. What he always used to say he looks runner-ish, you know, like uh <laughs> Scott Scott can identify somebody who looks traitorish. And I think like what he does is probably evaluates a roster who's like, all right, this person picked Christian McCaffrey, okay. You're not going to pick Christian McCaffrey unless you're planning on contending. So mm. that's going to be somebody who might be willing to flip a future second, you know, to move into the ninth round of this startup. You know, something like that. Right. It,
1: There's signals. There's signals yeah, about
2: and, what type of a player that this guy is. Or yeah. Um I right. I just I think a productive struggle, the the way to do that is just to evaluate the roster, understand, especially if you've been in a league with somebody before. Oh, this guy's this guy is going to be a willing trader. And I think the way to be successful is don't try to rip people off. Well, that's a common say. Everyone you talked about before, you want to
1: win the trade. Everyone always wants to win the trade. And I think that you could win the trade. Even if you look at the value of the two players, you could be losing the trade 90 to 110. Just, you know, if we were grading on, you know, but you could still, it's something that helps your roster. Okay, so maybe um, up, you're upgrading your QB. It, so someone could argue two firsts are more valuable than Lamar Jackson in your trade,
2: yeah. right? But Lamar Jackson helped you win the league, right? So it's I don't okay. think I don't think Edwin Edwin Porus who made that trade with me I don't think he regrets that trade, right? You know he finished one in fourteen this year or something. Okay, I, as a matter of fact, Edwin Edwin is so far in in the the. Uh, is so far in the tank that he even traded the one one this year. He's, yeah. like, he's well, like, that's a smart move." That's yeah, a smart it's like, move, yeah, somebody's gonna want B. John Robinson, and Edwin's like, uh, "I'll I'll kick it down the, the can until there there's more wide receivers who I think, by the way, are um, if if we want to talk roster building strategy, and and I'm not I'm not saying anything outrageous here. I think wide receivers are far more valuable in Dynasty because they last longer and they don't have the injury problems. So yeah. I think you identify the rosters. All right. This guy's got a bunch of running backs on his roster and they're good running backs. You know, oh, he's got he's got Christian McCaffrey and there's Josh Jacobs on this roster. And he's even got somebody like a Miles Sanders who, you know, nobody's going to say is like a stud roster carrier, but he's certainly somebody who can help you win a championship with his current situation. Nobody is going to have those players unless you're a bad dynasty player. Right. And plan on not contending. Now, maybe yeah. maybe there's somebody who's going to hoard those players and, and say, well, I'll just trade them down the road. But ultimately, if you draft Christian McCaffrey in a dynasty startup, the expectation is he's going to help you win. And if he doesn't, maybe you trade him down the road. So you want to identify those teams and say, okay, this is a contending roster. I'm going to try to help make this roster better while I increase my future value and i think that's that's what scott does that's so shrewd and yeah. you know i'm 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 very much someone who in a startup i'll try to stick to my plan um but that last plan year, you have to be you know that better than
1: anybody man the plan is it's so fluid because i mean when you say stick to the plan do you mean like what does that mean exactly? Like, hey, I want this player or I'm going imp, to uh, implement I'm this not, strategy. I'm not
2: going to do a whole lot of moving and shaking. Let's put right. it this way. here, yeah, Now, here's an example because the thing about Dynasty is your plan to build your team is ultimately affected on a higher level. By the plans of the actual NFL teams, plans you are not privy to. By the way, give an example of what you're talking about. Here's a perfect example. I was in a FFPC startup last year. I finished. I finished third in this, so I got. A, I got a payout, which is nice. It was a best ball dynasty. I opened my draft with. Um, it, it was a really good startup. It's super flex. I opened my draft with Patrick Mahomes, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel. I thought that was a really good.
1: You had the first overall, or you know, last year you might have even had like the third pick. Mahomes was falling I, a little bit. Last I had year.
2: the I had the, sec, I, had the uh, I had the I had the second pick. Right. Uh, Josh Allen went one, right. uh, and there was actually people who were like, "You should have taken Justin Herbert." Herbert, I mean, you know, right? Actually, and how, not so not, so not it, that Herbert, not that Herbert's a bad pick, but yeah, like
1: Well, when you compare, when you could have had Mahomes, it's a bad
2: pick. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I took Mahomes, and then on the on the two three turner took A, a. J Brown, Debo Samuel, you know, young productive receivers. I did say, like, all right, I, I look at that team, and I'm like, and correctly, I, by the way, I identified this is a contender already. I've got a stud quarterback. I've got a couple of stud receivers. I stole them on Ross St. Brown in that. Huh. But th- th- this was before that. I made a, a trade-up. I traded a couple of picks. I don't remember exactly what. I didn't trade my 2023 first. I traded into the fourth round, and this is super flex. So. They're good players who are falling. I traded into the fourth round. I'm like, time to get a young stud anchor running back, and I traded up for Kenneth Walker. Oh, so the rookies were included in the vet draft, right? It was yeah. a, it was a startup draft, right? So I'm like, oh man, you know, now I got this 21 year old. What happens this year? <laughs> the effing Seahawks draft Zach Charbonnet. Okay. When I, like, I trade up for Kenneth Walker. I'm like, the Seahawks just took this guy at the top half of the second round. I know he's a stud. You know, Graham Barfield loved him for yards created. Scott Barrett's model loved him. The the, the tape guys loved him. And I'm like, this is a stud on a team that's going to be run first. And his value, I hope it didn't, but you can argue got nuked right away in the next year by his team. I was not privy to that. If I was in the Seahawks war room. I'd be sitting there like, no, no, don't do it. But they did it anyway because Pete Carroll has a chubby for running backs. And and, and by the way, they may even add another veteran.
1: There's a, ni- a couple nice ones out there that are going to sign for pretty close to the vet yep. minimum on a year deal. You might see a Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette end up in Seattle, too. Now, what happened
2: <laughs> was Pete Carroll. And I mean, the, the explanation is simple. Pete Carroll had that game last year where Walker got hurt and DJ Dallas got hurt and Travis Homer was inactive or whatever. I, I forget the exact circumstances and DJ Dallas had to play the second half of the game on a severely sprained ankle and they couldn't run the ball. And Pete Carroll was like, that's never going to happen to me again. Right. Positional value be damned. Pick value be damned. I'm, I'm getting my running backs and that's what happened. And because that game happened, my trade up for Kenneth Walker doesn't look as good as it looked last year and i wasn't so you know like like a general manager in the nfl has a plan and we are basically we're like we're like leeches right we're like dynasty players you mean dynasty players are you're you're basically Whatever the NFL general managers eat, we're going to get the residuals of that, and we have to parse through those residuals and try to figure out what's nutritious and what's not, and (laughs) it sure as hell looked like Kenneth Walker was going to be a full-course meal for me uh, for a long time, And, and maybe he still will be, but the Zach Charbonnet pick was not something I could predict, so... I had him as my RB1 before the draft, like
1: Kenneth Walker. And again, it's not like he was like the LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, uh, Todd Gurley RB1 dynasty. It was just like, hey, this is the guy who I'm most confident in before the draft. Then obviously you just outline what happened after the draft, and he probably falls obviously a handful of spots.
2: You know, I'm like, I still think he has dynasty value. There's no, oh, yeah. ma- I mean, he's, he's in a top five running back in dynasty. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind throwing out a trade for him, you right. know, like, like, see if I see if maybe I can win that trade, but no. I, I would, I would venture to guess. And this, this might be why like the strategy for Scott is, is better because Scott is going to, there there's the shotgun method and then there's the rifle method, right? The rifle method is I'm going to hit my target. So I so I only need one shot at it. The shotgun method is. Well, I probably will hit a target, but I'm going to miss a lot, too, and I think that's probably a, that, that. I mean, that's honestly a smart strategy. The problem is you just can't go into a draft and say, well, I'm just going to trade all of my picks because you need to find willing partners. Right. Yeah. And. You know, that, it, 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 that's what I
1: love about Dynasty is that we all look at the same player pool and we all see it very differently. I mean, I have, you know, it, there's people, for example, that love George Pickens. I wanted him off my roster while he was at peak value. I package him with a pick. I'm able to bring in someone like Chris Olave. But the quarterbacks in Superflex, there's still people out there that don't realize the value of them, right? And, I mean, mm-hmm. and then there's the people that overvalue them, probably like myself. So what I've seen a lot lately, and in some of these drafts, there's there's a whole, I don't even know if it's a new strategy. It's been around for a while, but quarterback hoarding. Meaning, Joe Dolan, that, and, and I want your objective, sober view of this, is that maybe the first four or five rounds, you're taking four or five quarterbacks, and then you're maybe adding like two or three more. You're having like eight quarterbacks becoming yeah. the quarterback store, so to speak. And I guess the hopes are of, you know, Getting plus value um, when someone else is starting had Tom, you know, it was is starting Matt Stafford and, you know, quarterback Tw- and Kenny Pickett or a lot of teams maybe have Mah- Mahomes and no other quarterback, too. So what do you think about the viability of quarterback hoarding? And
2: is this a strategy you think can work in dynasty startups? Let me let me preface this in redraft. Absolutely not. Yeah, okay, obviously. That's <laughs> do yeah. not do it. There's always you've definitely been in one of those drafts, Alan. Like yeah. or where some. I'll just trade one. You know, like doesn't work. And everybody's gonna tell you in yeah. single. Everybody's gonna tell you to F off, right? Right. Um in Dynasty, I think it's incredibly shrewd if you're mm. not planning on contending. So I look at dynasty as Look at what happened with my Kenneth Walker pick. I think that is just a perfect encapsulation of how I think about Dynasty as as a whole. I think it is beyond foolish to, like, look even more than three years down the road in a Dynasty draft. And that's just Look at how much the NFL can change. And an unnamed draft pick, you know, I think that's going to have more value... I don't want to say more value than Kenneth Walker, but it's more malleable than, say, a Kenneth Walker or even a Chris Olave or something because that can become so many different things. The exception to that is the quarterback position. Now, injuries can happen. You know, look at Tua. You know, he might be one hit away from retirement. But I know if this dynasty league is still active in six years and... Nothing catastrophic happens to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is still going to be an anchor for my team. That So those are in super flex dynasty. One quarterback even a little bit because, again, if you find the right situation, I traded two first round picks for Lamar Jackson. Right. This is a super
1: flex conversation.
2: But this is a super flex conversation. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. I guess even – I'm a Bryce Young believer. I don't think – I don't know if he's going to become like a Jalen Hurts-level fantasy asset, but I think he's going to be a really good player. Those guys are still going to be productive dynasty assets in 2029. And I think that is an extremely viable strategy because maybe you're not as talented a trader as – I'm going to keep bringing up Scott's name, but maybe you're not as talented a trader as him. Maybe you're not the Howie Roseman who just understands instinctively when somebody is traderish, right? <laughs> but you can force their hand by quarterback hoarding because those are the most valuable assets in Superflex Dynasty. Yeah. And somebody's going to be sitting there with a contending roster and their best quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. Or they had Tom Brady and he retired. They had right. Matt
1: Ryan, he's gone, and that was their QB two. Um, I, I've done this almost accidentally where I had two good quarterbacks. I mean, it's very rare that a quarterback is on the waiver wire in Superflex Dynasty Leagues, especially these 30 deep leagues. I mean, Geno Smith, I was able to pick him up, and I'm sure many people did. So he's I added him to the stable. I think that when you do quarterback hoarding, there's a couple different ways. You talked about like this off season trading. Sure, that's one way to do it. The other way could be actually in the startup, right? Someone realizes that the market dried up pretty quickly, and you're in. You said that sometimes in a startup draft, you're, um, let's say a little gun shy. You you don't wanna you want to make sure that you're getting the right value. But it, it, by round six, if you have four or five quarterbacks, and you might be able to turn the the guy Daniel Jones you got in the late round four, early round five, into a position player plus a little tax on top, like a T Higgins that someone maybe drafted or DK Metcalf, whoever that range of wide receiver plus something else. So you could also trade them within the draft while it's going on since they're all slow drafts.
2: So what happened, um, Brian Drake and I picked up on an, an FFPC orphan team and we saw the team and we're like, the, they had a decent running back stable, really good wide receiver stable led by Devonte Smith and Terry McLaurin, you know, like these young productive receivers, some some good young tight ends at Chica Conquell on the team. And by the way, and note that FFPC is point and a half for the tight for ends. For tight ends, yeah, yeah, it's tight end premium. The one problem for the team was it's a super flex dynasty, and the t- top two quarterbacks on the team were Jared Goff and Ryan Tannehill. And what happens during the NFL draft? Both of those teams spend a day two pick on quarterback. Um, I'm, not, I'm not so worried about Goff. Right. This year, as I am a potentially tanhill, because if the Titans take a crap, Will Levis is going to play whether he's ready or not. So somebody was able to identify that, and this might sound outrageous, but they traded us Daniel Jones for our fifth overall pick. So wait, wait. That,
1: in 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 a fifth overall, in the rookie
2: draft in the rookie draft, right? So in a
1: startup that's probably out of the quarterback range,
2: right? It, so what what it would have been for the rookie draft was C.J. Stroud, and if you're what lucky. I was what I was oh, no, would, that, right. that would have been the pick. So what happened was, um, there was there was uh the top two quarterbacks, Young and and Richardson, and then Bijan and Gibbs. Well, the question I I posed to to Drake, and I actually popped this around in our in our company Discord. I said, Hey guys. Who's better for – who who, do you, who has more dynasty value, Daniel Jones or C.J. Stroud? And there was a pretty much consensus that it was Daniel Jones. meanwhile, right, well, well, Stroud goes ahead of him in startups. It's crazy. Right. So, like, well, I think people – here's the thing about somebody like Daniel Jones, and I guess this is a specific take. There is a – it's very hard to – ignore the fantasy football or even the nfl twitter zeitgeist group think <laughs> there is a there is a very permeating belief that daniel jones stinks i don't get that and whether you believe it or not look at the numbers he put up last year with no receivers and so, and by the way, he signed a hundred plus million dollar contract this offseason. I know NFL contracts are not like that, but we know for at least the next two years, Daniel Jones is the Giants quarterback. That's what I'm saying. And how many guys can you, can you say for sure outside of the top
1: five or six that two years is locked in? So that's, you know, you know check Mark,
2: you know, CJ Stroud, there's no guarantee he's got two, know, years. Were, two years, two th- years. Right. Right. But there's no guarantee he's going to be productive. Right.
1: Right. There you go. There
2: so, it's. right. Like there's, yeah. you know, I, I think he could be like. If I were starting an NFL team, I mean that's that's even starting an NFL team. Like, do you t- what, do you take Daniel Jones, who might be capped as like the 12th best quarterback in the league, or do you take C.J. Stroud, who might at some point be a top five quarterback in the league, but also might never even be a top 25 quarterback in the league? You know, because he was a, he was a polarizing prospect. I thought I thought Carolina made the right pick. By the way, I thought yeah. Bryce Young was the pick. I thought I said it before the draft. I said. I think the one the one thing that I knew about the draft was I had I understood the hype with Anthony Richardson. I understood um the I understood the the talk around, you know, this guy could end up being the next Josh Allen. But I, I always just sat there and thought, man, any team that passes on Bryce Young, I think is gonna regret it because I think the guy's just a good football player. Well, nobody I, passed on him. Nobody did <laughs> pass on him. And right. I think Carolina made the right pick. And so what do you, you know, think
1: is, what what is his super flex upside? If cause he could be had in these QB horde builds like you could take him. You could oh, take whatever, yeah. you know, Dak Prescott or Trevor Lawrence and still get
2: Bryce Young as your second quarterback. So, easily in these drafts, I think his. Kind of super flex upside is I they are not they are not the same player by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm talking statistically. Look at what Dak Prescott does. Pocket passer who can add a little bit with his legs. I think Dak's rushing production has clearly gone down, obviously, since the injury. But, you know, Dak Prescott's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback his entire career. And, you know, I know this is a dynasty show. Bryce Young is my most drafted quarterback in best ball so far. He's quarterback 24 on underdog, and he is so easily stackable with all of his weapons. You And I, by that, I mean you can draft all of his weapons. You can draft... Chark and Thielen and Mingo, none of those guys, those those guys are going outside the top 60 at wide receiver. Mingo's inside of it, but that's neither here nor there. But I think Bryce Young, he doesn't, you know, nobody, Anthony Richardson's being drafted so far ahead of him. I would think in most in most Superflex drafts, and I understand well, super that. Well, in Superflex
1: drafts, he's now a borderline first rounder. If you, basically he goes, the, if he's not, if he doesn't go in the first round of Superflex drafts, which you know it's very rare to see. He goes in the first three or four picks of the second round. Like the, people are deciding Richardson, Deshaun Watson, or Dak.
2: Yeah, and, and which I is mean, crazy. There's <laughs> see, see that see that is a that is a really interesting trio right there. Watson, you have you have yeah. to. The thing about Watson was, A, he was terrible last year. Of course, he hadn't played football in two years. And then there's the other part where, like, you know, fantasy football is supposed to be fun. And you might not have fun having Deshaun Watson on your roster. Like, you might be like, yay, you know, <laughs> like I'm right. sitting there, I'm sitting there cheering for this guy because he's on my dynasty team. Like, yay. So, does that suppress his value? What's going to, what's going on with Dak Prescott? Right. Like, I, you see articles every year the Cowboys have Dak Prescott decision to make it if, if the Cowboys don't advance past the divisional round this year they might start looking to the future and saying Dak's taking us as far as he can take us and then there's Richardson who's this ball of silly putty he's this ball of clay that could become whatever he, whatever he wants or he might melt you know like I would probably take Richardson in that. Well, that's in that. what I'm saying, and that's why yeah. you do it. Because
1: you could have Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton. Like All those are the upside possibility. And the floor, as we saw, I think the floor is higher for those guys. So if you want to do a QB horde and you're not picking with the elite QBs – I mean, he seems like the – because you're going to get a stable asset in round one uh, ahead of ADP. Say you take Dak in round one at pick nine, which is ahead of his Superflex ADP, or you can come back and get Richardson. Now you have a stable asset, and now you have a volatile asset. And then in round three, you can come back and maybe get CJ Stroud or someone like that. So if you are going to do these type of builds – and I love that take on (laughs) those guys because, like you said, Watson – he wouldn't be going in the second round of these superflex drafts, Joe, had he not had a bad year. I mean, he's had top five seasons in a row, and you talked about yeah. insulation. He's actually insulated for four years, right? Yeah. He, they can't get out of him for four years, and that is is more valuable. Then, you know, like I said, in dynasty, it's hard to project as as redraft projectors and analysts. We're not great. We're OK. At projecting the year ahead of us. How the hell are we going to project two and three years out? Right. So if you have a stable right. asset for four years, I think that's good in a QB horde build.
2: Yeah. And, and the Dak Prescott thing is just maybe now maybe Dak Prescott, somebody in a startup dynasty or even even in. Um, let's just say you're a quarterback shy. In, in in you've got a contending roster, maybe he's a good guy to trade for right now because I think people are just – see down. this as kind of an inflection point for him. If the Cowboys – I mean, if the Cowboys don't – let's just say they don't make the playoffs. I think they're going to, but let's just say they don't make the playoffs. Well, next year, the Cowboys – I mean, that, there's, an, there's an opportunity, I believe, for them to get out of that contract. Yeah. So like maybe there's somebody who like that. They got Dak Prescott on the roster. They're a mediocre team in your dynasty league. And they're like, and and I, by the way, I fully believe this is true. We have seen the best of Dak Prescott statistically. He's never, he's not going to, I don't think there's going to be a 5,500 yard season out of Dak Prescott. I think we've seen what his best is. And even if he does improve as a passer, I think his his rushing production is going to continue to go down as he gets older and slows down. Obviously, he had the injury. Now, that's a that's a guy who you might be able to swing kind of a trade for, because I feel like I feel like the jury's returned its verdict on Dak Prescott in the dynasty. community. I mean, he still
1: goes in the, you know, the first 20 picks of dynasty startups. But maybe that just has to do with like you don't feel great about. Right. You're happy. That's your second quarterback. But you're not like thrilled. That's why if you take like a receiver or your favorite running back, and if you take Bijan in round one of a Dynasty Superflex draft, you're going running back. You're like thrilled to have Dak because you get a good position player. But you're not like thrilled that he's your quarterback one. But uh, before we continue on this conversation, Joe, I want to tell everybody about Circa Las Vegas. Have you been to Circa Sportsbook in Las Vegas yet?
2: I have not, unfortunately. You,
1: but you've heard of it, right? I mean, you know of course I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. we went there for the Road to Wire trip last year. And this, I mean, this is everything you could think that is good about a sports book. And right now we're doing a, uh, a, the Circa is giving a, I'm just going to give you the read here, but it's this amazing contest. The ultimate fantasy football draft can be had and take place in Las Vegas at Circa Resort and Casino. And they want you to bring your whole league to Vegas for the ultimate draft experience. Bring your 12 person league for a two night stay. Stay on Circa at the resort and have your draft at the Cabana Stadium swim, plus a limo to and from the airport, a welcome party at the Legacy Club, a booth at the world's largest sports book, and more. The prize package is worth over 8000 bucks. Show There's no better place than Circa, obviously 21 and up, to go to CircaLasVegas.com. I've linked all of it in the video description below. It's a two-night stay, and... I'm telling all my league mates to go in there and sign up for all my leagues. I want to go. I'm eligible. Joe, you're eligible. Uh, video links in uh, in the audio or video description, and you can sign up for this, this amazing football draft. Uh, I know it be, it's so hard to get people together for a draft, so even if eight of you go and you zoom in the other few, uh, it, it's worth signing up for the giveaway. All right, we're back. I'm here with Joe Dolan, Fantasy Points. I'm Alan Soslowski, Rotowire.com. Joe, just quickly tell everyone, I mean – Everyone's seen you on SiriusXM. They've seen all your work, your podcast with Brian Drake, the two-point stance, which I I now make – I'm I'm mad at you guys because now it's another podcast that I have to listen to every week. You know, It's like appointment viewing. It's like when your DVR just gets so full, you have to knock out all these shows. But tell everyone what you're doing on two-point stance and a couple of the things that you're working on over
2: at the site right now. So the big thing we're working on over at the site and um, – FantasyPoints.com. At FantasyPoints.com is – Our Fantasy Points data suite, um, which we will have for the public um, very soon. Uh, We don't have an exact date on that. We're kind of beta testing it. I think people are going to be blown away by it. Um, What's the best
1: thing that you expect to come out of it? The most actionable tool, whether you don't have to go into how the sausage is made, but what's something that the average guy can come in and be like, okay, this is, I can now find out what. So
2: it's, oh, we have an in-house data charting team that charts every play of the NFL season and the tools are going to be they're going to have a an intuitive UI and the thing about it is you're like well that sounds like certain other products here is the thing it is built in to the tool is fantasy points per game, fantasy points per drop back, fantasy points per route run, fantasy points per that. you don't need to export that and do the calculations yourself. We can do it by all kinds of, so it is, it is a data charting. And when I tell you everything you can imagine, you know, what, how many fantasy points per game did this guy average in outdoor games in December when the spread was under seven points?
1: It's that specific and all you know, that. that. So, so if you're trying to look at like weather stuff or roads, yes. yeah, it's yes. it's it's the it's the questions. The that, answer is yes. Yeah,
2: <laughs> wind speeds above 20 miles an hour. Yes, the answer is yes. Like, okay. and so it, I think it's going to be very powerful. Uh, like, uh, to be completely honest with you, Alan, I'm even the wrong guy to talk to about this because I'm overwhelmed by the damn thing. <laughs> a, like, so our developers are like, go in here and break it. Like right. that's what they want. They want you because we need to find bugs. And I'm like, dude, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't even. I don't even know where to start. So, right. so like, but like, um, no, that's cool, man. And you know, that's what you guys
1: are doing over there. It's always innovative. You know, I, I I'm, I'm always checking out what's going on over there. So, you know, but like I said, if you're a data nerd or even a casual user, it sounds like you're going to be able to
2: find some value out of this tool. Here, here is the the the, the whole the whole argument with this was, is our content producing team wanted to produce industry. We, we, we know we have the content. We wanted to produce great content without having to go anywhere else. We wanted to be able to produce our co- fantasy points, content with fantasy points, numbers gathered by fantasy points, people like, and we're going to be able to do that. And Amazing. Um, I, I can, I can, I, I can't even begin to thank our developers enough. Brett Whitefield and Chris Wecht, who have kind of headed this project, Scott and Graham for approaching it from the the position of those content creators who need to who need to tell the sausage makers how they want the sausage to taste. You know, like so it, it's just been amazing. But cool. From man, my I that's uh,
1: that that's gonna be useful for not like you said, not only in-house for content production, but it sounds like other content creators can benefit that from this too. The, so so if you are plan. a content creator and you're watching this podcast, this sounds like a tool that, you know, it will be helpful to you to create videos. I mean, and there's no shame in that whatsoever. I think that's no. like a positive thing, you know. If if you want to if everyone's looking for content ideas. And um, so I'm glad that you guys are building that. Keep us updated on when that when that's going to launch.
2: Oh, I'll give you I'll give you a sneak preview, Alan. By the oh, way, awesome. So, uh, you just you just hang around cool. uh, hang around uh, after the podcast. Um. So anyway, what I'm doing personally, um, Drake and I are doing the weekly two point stance. We're we're just kind of attacking. You know, we're just kind of coming up with a topic every week, and sometimes it's news we've been doing. Other times it'll be like talk strategies, and I I do want to do a, a dynasty startup with him. But I'm also kicking off. I've started scheduling this and alan this you're a man who schedules podcasts for a living um you want to talk about a bitch i am doing our franchise focus podcast series um, at, at fantasy points and i did it last year and i kind of came up with the idea for it when i was sitting in a pool in punta cana and i'm like all right what, what am i gonna do and i did it last year and I, i'm hoping it's easier this year because i did about half the podcast last year with covid so i'm like hey yo. No welcome to the franchise focus podcast sound you like know? the godfather yeah <laughs> um i started scheduling them it's going to be 32 podcasts with 32 beat writers 32 bloggers and you've done this for a couple of years yeah this yeah. one the the, the, the the last year was the first year we, we've done the podcast right. but um for a couple of years it was like me and tom brawley or me and graham barfield talking about the team and there was some utility in that but i decided you know this year let's the last year do something different let's get beat writers and scheduling 32 of these because i'm going to be releasing them starting june 19th and we're going to be doing six a week until training camp so um, i'm scheduling 32 of these i'm reaching out to people i get ghosted by people um you know isn't it, isn't it amazing because you know
1: again you talked about how i schedule people for podcasts too just give me a a,
2: a quick no is better than a long maybe well so like right now i'm, I'm, I'm trying to schedule for a certain team and i'm like you know, there were mini camps. So I understand, like, this is also the time of year when a lot of beat writers take vacations, right? Because, like, all right, mini draft is over. Mini camps are over. So bullshit. They need to re- reply. You yeah, can and reply. You're uh, on uh, vacation. Sure. You can reply. It's it's 2023. Yeah. But uh, but the, the, the hard part about it is, like, all right, I've reached out to this person who covers this team, and I've said, here, please send me a DM or shoot me an email or whatever. When do I reach out to somebody else because i don't want to be like oh you know i'd love to do that and i was like sorry i just scheduled but maybe maybe i i need to beat that here you go here's a tip here's a tip then do if so let's
1: let's just use the buffalo bills i don't know if that was the team it doesn't matter no i have that one scheduled okay so (laughs) even better so you reach out to beat writer a you you're you're not you're waiting back Go to Beat Writer B. What's the worst thing that happens? You, you do two podcasts on it, and then you can kind of take – I know that's a pain in the ass, yeah. but you can't sit around forever. I know that's not optimal, but I well, – Oh, I'm I, not recording
2: two podcasts. I'm recording one, man. Right. Just like, like, <laughs> right. If you're I'm doing already 32. doing 32 of these. Well, uh,
1: that, that's why you're the best because uh, when I reach out to you, you know I don't like to, to bug you too much. I know you do a lot of things, but you're always quick to reply. You're always uh, excited well, and passionate about online, it.
2: online, Alan. Yep. What, what do you think about matter? Baby Gronk getting rizzed up by Livy? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Give your take. I mean, yeah, give, uh, give your take. I, I so the the fun. The only thing I can say that like because everybody's getting annoyed by that stupid thing now um, is I, I I literally reached out to my fourteen year old nephew and I said, "Hey, hey, bud, did you see that Baby Gronk got rizzed up by Livy?" and <laughs> He responded in all earnestly. No, I didn't see that.
1: People don't even know what the hell you're talking
2: about. Meaning he literally, like, uh, and and, uh, how I took this was my 14-year-old nephew, Max, literally was able to parse that sentence and understand what it means. And he gave me an honest-to-goodness answer. Like, I did not see that Livy rizzed up baby grump. So what it means? What it means essentially is: Livy is like this social media superstar gymnast at LSU. She's a social media superstar, I, ostensibly because she's attractive. Mm-hmm. Baby Gronk is this ten-year-old football player with like a rat tail mohawk who is being horrifically exploited by his father. Um, and he is a social media star. He's basically Todd Marinovich for uh, for Zoomers. Um, and rizzed up means to flirt. Well, Riz is so like charisma. That's how they were. So you actually knew that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not. On know. T- yeah. I'm on TikTok. I, you know, I'm, I try to keep very in tune with with modern day slang, because I don't know, you, we're, we're not the same age. We're similar. Like you remember the words dope and fresh and, you know, and all yeah. these other things, but those are now old man words. And now it's riz and all, you know, yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. So,
2: so anyway, I was, uh, uh, <laughs> but my nephew was able to parse that sentence, meaning so, so what, a, what a, so he knows what riz up means. He knows who Livy is. And he knows who baby Gronk is. Yep. This, I'm, this poor child is being, Completely exploited by this. Yep, body. you're officially in get
1: off my lawn territory here, Joe. You're you're, you're entering old man, but but the fact that you're interested—that's a lot. with With our last um, segment here, the Joe, I do want to give. That was great, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that's the clippable moment from this podcast, but. Uh, let's talk a little dynasty startup, a few player take things here. Now, I just want to just circle back once on this quarterback horde thing. If you're going to do it, let's say you're picking from random position six. Let's just go through the Superflex ADP. And again, I, I'm not saying you have to memorize it like it's the Torah here, but let's just think logically about who you would take. All right. So, what's the right way to do it? Let's just say randomly pick six, you get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. That would be your first okay. round pick. In the middle of round two, who do you think is the I right? I would take
2: Lawrence, pick? by the way.
1: Right, me too. Me too. More yeah. st- for all the reasons. So, middle of round two. Who do you got here? Who do you think is the ADP superflex guy? I mean, is it Bryce Young? I mean, that's where he would go at the end of round two. So you certainly get him in the middle of round two. You know, is it? I, if I
2: were doing a superflex dynasty startup with with a quarterback horde in mind, with that in mind, yeah, Bryce Young is is, is your round two pick. pick. Yeah, right. and and again, I I just don't think like. I know, like we're we're talking, we're gonna be talking Scott Fishbowl here, right? Like very shortly, and, and and there's gonna be all kinds of different strategies for that wild scoring, but it's redraft. It's completely different. Like all I know, one of the keys to to building in in fantasy is don't assume you're smarter than everybody else. Wow. What do we know? We know. That the position that's going to last the longest in the NFL, on average, is the quarterback uh, with high pedigree quarterbacks. High pedigree quarterbacks, right. and you know Bryce Bryce Young. Let's just say Bryce Young falls on his face. He's still going to get chances. Look
1: okay? how much how, look how much uh, leash that Zach Wilson got. It doesn't get as bad as it, it can't get worse than that.
2: I, I think I think the, the better comparison would be Baker Mayfield, like. Baker is still getting opportunities. You know, he's had a couple of good. Zach Wilson never played well. Baker did.
1: The one one is special insulation. You're right. Yeah. It's special
2: insulation. So we know that those players are going to last the longest. They're going to have the longest lease. They're going to get the most chances. Why would I focus in a dynasty startup on anything but that? Hmm. All right, because at the bare minimum, like you said, with the quarterback hoarding, I'm going to be able to move these guys to because there's there's only third. Nobody has figured it out yet, Alan. <laughs> to get more than 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, nobody's figured it out yet. And until the NFL expands, and I don't think that's coming anytime soon, until the freaking Saudis decide they want a team. <laughs> live, live NFL, live, li- yeah, live Good. football. Um. <laughs> There's not going to be more than 32 of them. Right. The two, what's the old adage? Still true. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. Where well, that that's not in superflex though. You want more than two. Right. Um, I, like the only when I started my draft last year in. In the FFPC, the reason I didn't take a quarterback in round two is because they were all gobbled up. All like the high pedigree quarterbacks were gobbled up. It
1: was a different year for like because that's where the unproven rookies will right. usually go, like the Trey Lance types in startups will go around there. But that was a you know that wasn't last year. That was yeah. the year before. So um, have so then round three, right? We're in, we have let's say we got Trevor Lawrence. We have uh, Bryce Young. Round three. There's not a lot of great quarterback options at value. Do we push up Tua, Daniel Jones? Do we CJ Stroud there if he's available in the middle yeah. of round three? Is it, how would you go? If we, and if we're, we're talking we're talking pure quarterback courting, right? Court, like we want four or five quarterbacks in our first five rounds, and we definitely we probably want to even add like two more quarterbacks in like the late round. So we're talking, you know, we we want people to like look at us and be like, oh my god, this guy's gobbling up all the quarterbacks. Yeah. They keep taking position players and we know we're going to be able to sell these guys over value either during the startup, after the startup and like you said in the beginning, we're committed to not doing well in year 1 because we know we're going to yeah. be able to get plus value on the most important position
2: in Super. Bowl. So I'm going I'm going to kick this back to you with a question. In round 3. You're on the clock. You you already know you're doing quarterback hoarding you're going to have great scoring at that position and it's probably going to be poor elsewhere. Do you take CJ Stroud or you want to talk about a 1-1 and like getting the chances that somebody's going to get on one of the more interesting this seems going to be terrible this year but they're going to be interesting. Or do you take CJ Stroud or do you take Kyler Murray?
1: Ooh,
2: Kyler Murray's the one. That's
1: the, I didn't even think of him. Right. Oh my God. Because right, we, he could play zero games, but and people mm-hmm. are worried about that Arizona taking one of you know Caleb or if they Jeremy. get
2: the first pick, they're taking Caleb Williams, and they're going to move on from Kyler.
1: Right. Which means Kyler is the starting quarterback of the Washington Commanders or whatever it is. Oh know, my God, that's 10s. so
2: perfect. Yeah, right. or something <laughs> like something he's, like he's that. going to start somewhere next year, right. and we know Kyler's elite for fantasy at times. That's, I have, see. I have problems with Kyler. My problems with Kyler are I don't think he's gotten better since his rookie year.
1: Right, but for fantasy football, he's still a top 12 quarterback.
2: But I mean, like, strictly on his talent.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
2: I mean he's been a top half of the NFL quarterback. You know what's the the old oh he doesn't study film and all that. Imagine if he did. <laughs> like like cuz he cuz he's been a solid NFL quarterback frustrating nonetheless and now of course he's coming off the injury, but I think Kyler is a fascinating guy. That right is
1: right the now. one. I think that's the that's the takeaway. If, if people st- t- stayed with us through this podcast if you're Kyler Murray in round three, if you're committed to the productive struggle, high risk, high reward strategy, if you are committed to a QB horde, nobody wants him. I couldn't get rid of him in my rookie draft. I was offering him for every pick. I offered him for pick one. No. Pick two in the rookie draft. No. I mean, pick three. I was up to pick four. Nobody want. nobody wanted Kyler Murray. And the minute he comes back and has a decent game, whether it's in 23 or 24. His value will. So I love that call. So we have our, you know, our our pick six. We have um, uh, Trevor. We have our uh, Bryce Young in round two, Kyler Murray in round three. Now we're going to go crazy here. Do we take Daniel Jones or Tua in round four? Which one do you think is better for our, our Daniel QB? Jones, team?
2: Daniel Jones. The, right. Because of the uh, I mean. So because because right. And here's the thing with Tua. All these things that we're saying about the quarterback position do not apply to him because he's one hit away. Right. He's a scary pick. I so mean, you, it's it's the NFL. Everybody's theoretically one hit away. He's particularly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, And then if you're drafting
1: Tua, I mean, you almost have to draft Mike White is one of the premium handcuffs because quarterbacks are like running backs in single court yeah. in single quarterback leagues. Right. Like y- you have to have the backups. And you know what? So, OK, so there's our quarterback horde. with our last couple minutes. I want to ask you, because you hit Mike White or we talked Mike White in a sense. Who do you think are some of the other premium? quarterback superflex handcuffs that people – because right now, like Baker Mayfield, we're presuming he's starting. He's like the 35th quarterback. There's backups going ahead of him, Joe, in these superflex drafts. Who are some of the other key yeah, backups think, that I, you I think, think
2: people just think Tampa Bay is going to stink in general. But they have elite I, weapons. They have elite yeah. weapons. So who are some of the – well, first and foremost, um Bailey Zappi. Ooh, I didn't even think because of like, Zappi. Because, like, look – you. If Mac Jones, f- so on that on that dynasty he might, I have with Mahomes, my other two quarterbacks are because again I had Mahomes, so I'm like, well, I would like an, a a great second quarterback, but none of them fell to me in the second round, so I'm like, oh, I'll wait a little bit. Oh, I got Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, like uh, yeah, I'm not shaping. feeling so great. So we've Zappy. got Zappy is 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 a good uh backup, Tr- uh, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, like. Yeah, nobody wants
1: him. Nobody wants anything to do with Mitch. You can get him. You pick the round you want him in. You can
2: get him. Yeah. Obviously, Will Levis, I don't think, I don't even know if he applies, right? Like No, no, that applies. Well, he's going like you're right.
1: He's going like quarterback 20, whatever it is. Like he's going Mm -hmm. ahead of a lot of the stars. Let let me ask you this also. Are
2: you are you considering guys who are in competitions? Like, I mean, I think the commanders want Sam Howell to start, but Jacoby Brissett, we know it can be a he, solid NFL. He
1: quarterback. goes in the backup. He's like QB thirty-eight. I'm just making yeah. these numbers up because of where I, in the couple startups I've done this year. But you're right. Like, there's no guarantee that Sam Howell is playing in Week Three.
2: Stetson Bennett. Yes, I mean staff Stafford is Stafford. Stafford done. You know, um,
1: who's going to be the Arizona starting quarterback this year?
2: Cole McCoy. Is he? Is he still injured? Ah, he, I think he's. <laughs> I mean, I see probably I mean, he's he's been around for 400 years. (laughs) I see
1: Clayton, too, in the rookie quarterback they got in round four, Arizona, getting drafted a little aggressive, more aggressively than I would. I mean, everyone wants this year's Brock Purdy, you know.
2: I mean, um, H.B. Heineke in Atlanta, uh, uh, John Hansen calls him hospital ball Heineke. So I like to say H.B. Heineke, make him sound like make him sound like a steel tycoon. Um, (laughs) H.B. Heineke, like, like what if Desmond Ritter falls on his face? What When? When? We know Heineke can come in and run an NFL offense. Right. So Marcus Mariota is a great. And I think Mariota stinks, but like he caught, ended caught up in the perfect, perfect spot situ- for him. Per- I mean, I would want no- I would have cut Mariota off my superflex teams if he didn't land in this spot. Yeah, because, you know, Jalen Hurts has missed a couple of games the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. So Mariota, we know Mariota is going to come in there and he's going to run for 55 yards when when if he has to start in Philadelphia.
1: Joe Dolan, you were what my grandmother calls a mench. You know what a mensch is. You know Yiddish.
2: Yeah, it mean, just mean, like, means like a good person, right?
1: It's a great person. It's yeah. a generous person. It's a smart person. It's someone who uh, I-, I love interacting with you. I always appreciate how generous you are with the time for Roto-Wire and the podcast. And uh, I want everyone to go – if you're not already following Joe, it's, again, one of the best follows on Twitter, at FG underscore Dolan. Uh, and on the last podcast we had Joe on, he explained the FG, just couldn't get rid of it when he used to be part of Fantasy Guru's site. Um, it's just, it's one of those nicknames that sticks, Joe. Sorry, yeah. man. You know, it's just, uh, it's not FP, uh, underscore Dolan. Yeah. It's FG underscore Dolan.
2: So no, I was got, like, they, they took my blue check mark away so I can probably change it. And, blue you know, blue check mark is, is, you don't want that It has that completely, anymore. yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and I'm, by the way, I'm not complaining, whatever. They took it away from me. Like, uh, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be somebody who's like, oh, they took it away from me and then get the blue, the Elon bots, the oh. rats in my mentions, <laughs> the, but like. <laughs> But
1: also the blue check mark actually has utility. But if I bought the blue check mark, like because I want editing ability on my tweets, or if I want upload like longer videos, Uh, I just don't want the blue check mark
2: itself. I would buy it (laughs) if it if it represented anything other than Elon Musk. Right. You're an anti. Unfortunately, like, yeah, I would I would pay for the platform if I believed in the leadership of the platform. I don't. I mean, I have to use the platform. I understand how hypocritical that is. But like, you know, where else am I going to go? Nobody's invited me to blue sky. And that's probably that's probably going to fail anyway. So what?
1: Let me give you one question. And again, I did not ask you or to rehearse this or anything like that. And if you this is a tough question. But if you if you were commissioner Joe Dolan for the NFL, what's one rule? That you might change in the NFL this year, I'll give you a second to think about while I'm talking over it. Um, is that, yeah? I just one rule that you think would just make the game better, whatever
2: it is. What would be the rule? It would be um, the fourth and fifteen for onside kicks. That's a beautiful one. Explain I, like, what that uh, is. Explain. So for, essentially, um, the I believe the XFL did it this year. The USFL might might have been doing. I'll have to ask Jake Tribby. He's a, he's obsessed with <laughs> spring football. Um, it, what it's, what essentially it is is you. Instead of an onside kick, which has a very low probability and are not an exciting play. And they're dangerous, you know. I mean, there's another part. They are dangerous. Football's inherently dangerous. They're, They're trying to make the kickoff safer. I would do the XFL kickoff rule, by the way, where nobody can move until the ball is fielded. Um, which actually I think would would be much more exciting than what they're doing this year with the fair catch. But anyway, the 4th and 15, the Eagles have proposed this every year and it has yet to pass, I feel like. So what it is is a team has the option of, instead of doing an onside kick, and there are conditions to where you can do this. It has to be in the 4th quarter or something like that. You get an opportunity of a 4th and 15 untimed down. I think it's untimed from like your own 30-yard line and if you convert it you keep possession. I have a question about. It. So I love the rule because it's more
1: exciting, but what happens if you want to do remember that uh play that Sean Payton did the sneak uh can you still do an onside kick if you prefer yes. that method? Yes. Uh, okay, yes. so it so you go can away. do
2: I was at that game. I was at that game <laughs> Sean Payton coached circles around Jim Caldwell in that game. Um but I was at that game and yes, you can do a surprise onside kick. I think you right. still have the option to do it and I think the um the fourth and 15 you you can't just do that in the first quarter right like after you score a touchdown right you can't just be like oh so that's I, interesting when so you can only do it at, i think there were conditions to two, when you could do it under two under five minutes in the, and i think you have to be trailing so like right, right. like there okay. has to be like under five minutes in the fourth quarter. there are Whatever conditions it to it but like i just think that rule in general would be fun it would also be chaos for fantasy um, yeah,
1: like what do you what do you count that? It's an answer, Oh, and by right? the
2: way, if they ever do change overtime in the NFL to the BS college one, yeah, uh let, let me just throw it out there. We cannot count that for fantasy. Oh huh. okay. We can't like so like like think about it. Like, so if, in in case you're not familiar with college football, teams start on the 25 yard line and they alternate possessions until essentially someone wins. It's video game numbers, Alan. Like I mean, you can't, you cannot count this? those
1: for fantasy. If, right. Well, the the high stakes leagues wouldn't do it, but if you want to count it in your league and get crazy, I'm in some yeah. leagues where there's like pinball scoring, like the quarterback score like sixty. I don't like it either, but yeah. you're right though. The, in a serious fantasy league, it's just it, it 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 doesn't now measure skill. There's like all these like bonus points. I understand. I agree yeah. with that. The uh, the one rule I would change will close out on this. I've said it on this podcast before. Is that uh, Joe Dolan, if you're on like your own 5-yard line and you get uh or say your own 4-yard line and you get a whole um an offsides call, what's the penalty right now as as it is? What happens? This isn't a trick question. What, what's that? So say repeat, you're on your repeat. own I'm sorry, f- I got your No problem. I'm on my own 4-yard line right now. Allen's team and yeah. we get offsides. What's the penalty assessed right now? You're on your own 4-yard line and I get a penalty.
2: And a penalty for offsides.
1: It's half the distance to the half goal. The di- oh, right. yeah. So don't like that. What they should do is just move, say, what is that, a five-yard penalty? They should just move the first down marker back five yards. Keep you where you are and move it the other way so it's a full five yards. So right now I'm only doing mm. two and a half yards. So if I get a holding call, it should be move the t- the, the first down marker ten yards downfield instead of moving me two yards backwards. Oh,
2: you and on that's this? That's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you like it. Oh man, we need that, right? Because what is a two-yard penalty? You know, it's like I never it- even thought of that. By the way.
2: yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you yeah. like it. All right, well they will never to- punish offenses like that, by the way. But, yes.
1: but right, but that would be the right thing yeah. to do. You know, to keep moving the first down marker back, and it would, you know, you'd have to have parameters. It's inside yeah. the ten, or it's, you know, it's obviously holding when the quarterback's in the end zone as a safety. That still holds, but you know what I'm saying. You get the general. Yeah,
2: penalty. yeah, I guess like you know, there's. Much uh, you want to make sure you don't do it in the end zone, but right. like if you're gonna use like a little, uh, if you're gonna use a little extra uh, cheating to try to get a explosive play out of there, the penalty isn't the the upside's much more than the downside.
1: Right, exactly. So yeah. I just thought like that's an easy one call. Joe Dolan, thanks a lot, everyone. Follow Joe, uh, and all his work is pinned in the video audio descri- uh, description below. We'll see you back next week with another Dynasty Fantasy Football podcast. Don't